This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I'm here with Austin investor and local realtor, Ryan Kelly, and we're just going to do a quick recap for what happened in the market here last year in 2021 in Austin, and what we expect is going to happen and what we're seeing in the market for 2022. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Well, happy 2022, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, man. The year is off to a bang here in Austin. I'm so excited for what's to come. It's always a lot of fun driving past downtown and seeing the new skyscraper. But just in the housing market here in Austin, I know it's going to be a bang up year for Austin. And I know we're going to be just as busy as ever. So no doubt. Real quick. Um, let's first talk about 2021. So obviously 2021 was crazy. We got down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, 0.4 months of inventory or slightly below. Yep. And we were seeing, you know, 20, 30, 40, 60 offers on houses, offers 150, 200 grand over, even on houses that were listed at 250, 300 appraisal waivers on everything, waived yep. inspections and option periods on every, on lots of stuff. Um, it was crazy. I feel like towards the end of the year, it calmed down a lot compared to a high point around March. Uh, I want to hear your understanding of what happened. And obviously you have a ton of experience as a very active realtor and an investor in Austin too. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit it. Uh, you know, if you could go back a year, this time you and I were running around, our hair was coming out. There was so much there was so little on the market and so many buyers that it was almost impossible, you know, without your, your client willing to really write just a killer offer to get something under contract. Um, I was looking at numbers this morning, and then I'll give you kind of a broader perspective of 2021. So this morning I looked at Austin Board of Realtors came out with stats. This was last week data. Okay. So January, early January, 2022 versus 2021. So if you go back to that time, as you mentioned, we were down to like 0.4 months of inventory and every human being was a buyer, like, cause it was COVID, it was the pandemic, nobody had anything else to do, but buy real estate. And of course, by then you could already see because it started before New Year's, uh, it started in December when the activity really blew up and started going, you know, when we, we, when we could see that we were running out, I'll put it that way. So sure. 2020 was hot too, if you'll remember, but 20, by the end of 2020, we were running out. I mean, we were running out of homes. The builders at that point were out. They had sold everything. They were on wait lists. So by the time you got to January last year, we really didn't know how it was going to play out. The builders didn't know. The buyers didn't know. We weren't aware how many offers were going to be coming in on these properties. There was one I bid on that had 96 offers. Oh, never, that's the I'd highest I've heard. More than 30 before. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a lot. And then 96 is like, what are we, you know, only one buyer can win out of 96 people. So that was January uh, of last year. 
Then the sellers finally started to show up, which they always do in mid-spring, but they had a great time if you're a seller, right? I mean, you had tons of activity. If you priced it right, you got multiple offers. Some properties would sell commonly over 100,000 a house. In fact, Austin, I believe by the summer, there was a Zillow article that said Austin led the nation in properties that had offers $100,000 or more over asking. So that was through June. Then we got to the second half of the year. I think the summer, I don't want to say shocked people, but there were a lot of changes last summer. That's when the COVID mandates eased up, the masks started coming off, and, and everybody had been pent up for a year and a half. Everybody went on vacation, including myself. So, you know, that really put some softening from the crazy into the market for about two or three months. You get to September, it was solid. I mean, it was hard. You know, the market was still very tight on inventory. Um, I think you mentioned this, but, you know, we had gotten over, let's say, a month of inventory, mm -hmm. you know, in Q3. But slowly but surely, we started eating away at that inventory again through December. Uh, but what happened, too, is I think as much as the properties started coming, uh, the, the inventory started dropping, I think buyer demand also slowed down. Uh, again, COVID started easing things up. You had to put your kids back in school. You had to go back to the office for some people and travel. So we definitely saw some slowdown compared to the spring in the second half of the year. The real question is what happens now? So the data that I looked at this morning uh, was talking about last week. And it said, well, last week, or I should say, yeah, 2021, we had about 4,100 homes for sale at this moment last year. Right now we have 2,400. It's a 40% decrease in active listings now than we had this time last year. How come it's not as crazy? It's because we also have less buyer demand. It yeah. doesn't, we don't have a lot of buyer demand because we do, but compared to last year when everybody was in the pandemic and at home and, and shopping for a house, we have less and Austin's prices have gone up 30% in 12 months. That's going to weed a lot of buyers out. Uh, well, and so, and that's why I think we're seeing the difference this year. It's still going to be crazy, but it's not going to be like 2021. Sure. And I think you, you made a good point there. You know, if people had to bid crazy amounts to win a house last January or February, but you also just made another great point prices have gone up significantly. So yeah. if you bought a house last January or February for way too much, now it's not way too much. It's not way too much. And, and you can't yeah. count on that. But in Austin, you can look at, let's say the last couple of years, the last 20 years, I think the last 25 years, our average appreciation has been an average of 7%. That's taken everything over the last 25 years. And we all know, in the last 25 years, we had a major housing correction. So if yeah. that's the average with that major housing correction, that means we've had stellar, typically over 10% house appreciation here in Austin for the last couple decades. And if you're paying too much for a house, maybe it's too much in that moment, but people need to be very familiar with how home prices are determined. They're all determined off comparable sales. You know, what sold in the last six months in this area that's similar to this house. So while your house might sell for 500,000 when you buy it, somebody else might buy one down the street for 550, closes in 30 to 45 days, 
somebody else buys one for 525 around the area, suddenly your house is worth somewhere 525 to 550. Yeah. In the blink of an eye, it feels like stuff doesn't just ratchet up yeah. uh, a, a percent a month. Sometimes it ratchets up what feels like a lot right away. A duplex I just bought in South Austin in October for $500,000. Suddenly behind it, something sold for 600,000. Across the street, one selling for about 650 from what the realtor tells me. So my $500,000 duplex might be worth 625 here once the rehab's done. That's crazy. But it's also tricky, I think, to figure out pricing in January mm -hmm. because you, you know, when you're trying to figure out a list price, you're a listing agent, you're looking backwards, right? Yeah. So you're looking at comps from October through December most of the time. Well, I mean, that was nothing like the spring. So you have to kind of, you know, figure out where you think price is, but you can accelerate that price a little bit when you're in the spring and you have to decelerate it a little bit when you're in the fall traditionally because the fall slows down naturally. That's a normal cycle in real estate. The hottest in January, I mean, we're in Austin and, and it's, you know, mid January, it's 70 degrees. So, you know, you can buy houses in January and it feels like spring. Now mm -hmm. we could have an ice storm in between now and spring, but you know, we have really nice winters. And so we don't really have a, a huge slowdown in the winter, uh, as long as the weather's okay. But generally, you're going to feel the market pick up strongly every week from right now through May, June. This It's just going to be a straight acceleration every week. Every week, you and I are probably adding buyers, you know, and, and trying to get some sellers in there, too, so that they can take advantage of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to see the prices. If they go up this year, they're going to go up in the next four months. They're probably not going to go up the most in October. They're going to go up right now. And so, and then the question is what, where do we hit the next ceiling? How high did it go? Was it 3%, 5%, 15%? And then we have to watch those outside factors like interest rates. Yeah. And then we also have, I would call them an outside factor, the businesses moving in. So we've got totally. the recent announcement Meta, which is some sort of parent company or is Facebook now. Yeah. Lease the whole tower. Uh, what's that on Guadal Six in Guadalupe downtown? Yeah, yeah, that that's huge. Yeah. and then Samsung's also building their next massive factory up in Taylor. What's the next announcement we get that draws a lot of uh, not foreign but foreign to Texas money to Texas? So foreign money, California money, all these people looking to buy a little piece of Austin because they know it's going to keep appreciating. I can't. You, you are the same way. We talk to people every week from the Bay Area that say, oh, this is just like the Bay Area was 20 years ago. Yep. And you buy a house here for 500000 Everybody thinks they're going to be worth a million in X number of years. So they're willing to bet money on that. And not only is it people in Austin or moving to Austin looking to live here and wanting to buy houses, but there's people from all over the country and in some cases all over the world looking to buy houses in Austin. And that news attracts those people more than the people in Austin and say, hey, I'm, I'm in East Austin, I wanna to move to Westlake, or I'm in South Austin, I wanna move somewhere else in Austin. Um, it's just right. th those huge announcements. Tes Tesla drove people insane last year. We <laughs> never stopped hearing yeah. about Tesla. And Apple two years before, two and years Google, before. and they're building downtown. And mm -hmm. there's always some major company with the brand name, like you mm -hmm. said, like Meta, for example. 
you know, I've heard rumors, and I think I saw it in the ABJ, but, you know, Micron's another big chip developer, yep. and they might be looking at a property in Lockhart to do something similar to Samsung, you know, and on top of that, you still have the entire San Antonio Austin corridor, which honestly, it's amazing how little I talk about that because most investors are buying homes kind of in the northern suburbs, I feel like, but uh, to be close to these tech campuses. But, you know, that's just going to continue to explode too. Hayes County and San Marcos and New Braunfels. I mean, those communities are steadily growing like weeds and, and adding a lot of people. So it is funny when people say it's like the Bay Area 20 years ago. 20 years ago, people thought the Bay Area was overpriced. Yeah. And we could make an argument, it was. <laughs> it was already expensive. But what's happened? Well, Bay Area, now they had some rocky moments because they had terrible lending in California. But the Bay Area has recovered. The prices have come back. They're a lot more volatile because of those prices. But the Bay Area has continued to go up in value, even though it's already one of the most expensive housing markets in the country. Why? because it's a beautiful place to live and they have great jobs. That's why. So yeah. as long as we can be those types of things and continue to have good business and kind of landlord friendly rules in Texas and around the city, uh, I think you're going to continue to see Texas and Florida and those other states in the South that have great weather and good jobs continue to explode. Yeah. And we're a beautiful place to live with a lot of great jobs and we don't have income tax too. We have yeah. cheaper corporate tax. So there's so many reasons why you would move to Texas and there's all the remote work stuff. Now I still talk to people who are saying, Hey, I work remotely. I'm just going to move to Austin now, but not as many as I did in 2020, but still talking to people about that. Um, yeah. So, you know, essentially what we saw in 2021 was it, it, it got to a fever pitch around March, April, May, and then it, it stayed really hot through the summer. It slowed down a little bit in the fall like normal, but it was nuts for buyers in the spring of last year. And I think I hear you saying the same as I think that I think it's going to get that way again this year. I think yeah. there's another factor this year too that will slow some people down and speed some people up and it's interest rates. Interest rates are going up. They were at all time lows last spring um, in the twos. We had in the mid twos yeah. for the interest rates. We're now up closer to the mid threes for the interest rates, depending on your credit, of course, and depending on a lot of other factors. But the average rate I'm seeing people gets low threes to mid threes. And I think that's going to hurt a lot of buyers, but a lot of buyers are going to say, hey, I'm, I need to get something now because right. rates could go up to four or four and a half. And, we don't know, but we know that they're going to keep raising interest rates throughout the year. We know they're probably not going to go down. Um, so what are your thoughts about 2022? I think we've covered 2021 pretty well. A lot of people know what happened there. So for 2022, what are your thoughts with just the general market? And then what are your thoughts with the geographical market? What areas do you think people are going to flood to? You already kind of hit it on the San Antonio Austin corridor. Uh, I think more and more people are going to keep going there. I think people are going to start going even further south just to hit affordability. I've started having people ask me about New Braunfels. Hey, I want to yep. want to buy a house. What about New Braunfels? I said, you realize it's an hour plus away, but <laughs> they don't care. That's right. Yeah, and honestly, New Braunfels is a you know 
a suburb of San Antonio at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're really more in the San, they watch San Antonio news. They would commute yeah. into San Antonio normally mm -hmm. uh, to go to work. So yeah, New Braunfels is, it's a cute town, by the way, if anybody that's not local, uh, if you ever visit Texas, go down to New Braunfels. It has German heritage. So there's German restaurants. It's got beautiful crystal clear rivers because they're all spring fed. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's probably most famous for tubing. So in the summer, the Guadalupe River, it's freezing cold because uh, it's spring fed, but people will rent inner tubes and float miles down the river with coolers of beer. It's a cool town. So anyways, I like New Brombles, but it's not very big, uh, you know, and so they've got to do a lot of home building down there to kind of keep up with this demand. So you'll see that happening in New Brombles. Um, I'd start with interest rates. I think that's going to, I think you and I are going to end up talking about that a lot this year. Here's what I've seen what happens with interest rates. When interest rates start to go up, buyer demand will actually pick up a little bit because there's a little bit of a short-term panic of like, crap, I better buy a house, you know, before this goes up any further. Long-term, it will soften buyer demand because it is going to put downward pressure on what buyers can buy. And if prices are going one direction and their ability to buy is going the other direction, it's going to soften how many buyers can make bids on certain properties. Um, I have a client right now, we're looking at properties in the Northeast suburbs. So kind of East Round Rock, Hutto, Pflugerville, those, those kind of communities. And you know, everything right now is multiple offers. If it's remotely decent, it's multiple offers. We put three offers, same buyer. We put three offers in last weekend. One property had 24, one had 12 and one had 10. So the lowest number of offers was 10. And so is it happening again? Absolutely, right? We're off to the races, maybe not 96 offers, but you know, it's, it's going to get a lot of offers, especially when you're below the median price uh, because that's what people can afford. And so that median price is really seeing a huge amount of buyer demand. It's also where investors tend to hang out is below the median price. You want a single family home, you don't want it to be too expensive. You buy something below the median price. And so there's a lot of buyer demand in that area. I think we'll see that continue. I think if interest rates as predicted, and I have no control over them and neither do you, but yeah. if they tick up, uh, if they tick up slowly enough, I don't think it'll make a big impact. If they jump up, uh, you will see a big slowdown quickly of buyers. That happened in the fall of 2018. They jumped up like a whole point within like a month. And literally it felt like nobody was making offers for about six weeks. And then they went back down some and all the buyers came back into the market. So I think if you see a big jump in interest rates, uh, I, I think you'll see that put a pretty big soft, you know, blow into the buyer demand side. But as long as we're at super, super low inventory, uh, it, man, it takes a while to build inventory back up. It takes a while. And I think it's important to note, you know, let's just assume we're at a 3.5 interest rate right now. The last data I saw was the average interest rate was around 3.5. Um, that's still really low. I think it's, it's, oh, easy it's, to, it's easy to think that it's not when the last home I bought in 2021 for an owner-occupied loan was two and a half percent. I yeah. thought I won the lottery, but now three and a half percent, it seems that's a big difference. And why that matters to people is every little bit interest rates goes up, your payment goes up. So if you were paying $2,000 for a house or $2,500 for a house and your interest rate goes up a whole percentage point, you're now paying 
2750 yeah. for a house. That's a big difference. That's what matters to people. That's how you get qualified for homes. How much can you afford is based on how much monthly payment can you afford or how large of a monthly payment can you afford. But interest rates, even at 4%, 4.5%, that's been the around the median interest rate for the last couple of years. That's Absolutely. not crazy. No. Um, what's it's the difference? Dirt it's yeah. dirt cheap. Yeah. It's dirt cheap. I'll tell you why. Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join. GoBundance.com slash emerge. GoBundance.com slash emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire. So when we, we bought our house in 08, and in 08 was right at the beginning of when everything you know went bad nationally, right? So interest rates the summer of 2008 were in the fives. They started moving into the sixes. And, and by the time we got to the fall, they were like six and a half, almost seven. Okay. So and and by the way, historically, that still was not a bad interest rate. But yeah. <laughs> that was that was it was painful because we were buyers and we're calculating our budget. And every week it felt like, oh my God, it's getting harder more expensive to buy these homes. So I get what buyers might feel if they go up. But by the time we went under contract, what happened? Well, the world fell apart and, you know, Bear Stearns goes out of business and Lehman Brothers is going out of business and interest rates plummeted. So while we were under contract, they dropped a whole point wow. <laughs> and we, we locked it in and bought it. And then 18 months later, we refinanced and refinanced and refinanced. So, you know, since that time, 08, we've never seen interest rates back up at five, right? I mean, that's 14 years. We've never even been above five. So you almost have a generation of buyers who have never seen what we would, you know, historically say standard interest rates would be five to 8%. Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever seen that, not in the bank accounts, not on mortgage rates, not on auto loans. And so it's been, I think it's going to feel foreign to people when they go back there. But what's really interesting, and this is really hard to wrap your head around, but the big thing everybody's talking about right now is inflation. Inflation, inflation, gas prices, lumber, grocery store, restaurants. I mean, inflation, you know, you and I were talking about this before the podcast, labor, like everything yeah. is going up in price. And Wasn't so it 7% recently? There you go. That's what I was going to bring up. So consumer price index, they said the inflation annualized was 7%. So that means if you are saving cash at 0%, you lost 7% of its burning yeah. power. So, you know, if your interest rate goes up a quarter point or a half a point, it's not fun. You don't like it, but you're actually getting money cheaper at that rate by half than inflation. You're trying to beat inflation. And so if you can lock in the debt, but buy an asset that, you know, it can keep pace with inflation, which real estate usually can do. And a lot of times real estate can beat inflation a lot. So that's why I think you're going to see a lot of buyer demand and why you and I as investors have been wanting to buy a lot is because of the debt. You know, you want to be able to lock in 30 year debt at super low interest rates, because if interest rates change, it just makes that debt more valuable to you. Sure. And let's talk about that real quick as an investor. So the market has, it's been hot. So it makes it harder to find deals. 
Yeah. But and we have adjusted our criteria as investors too. So uh, personally, I, I needed to hit a certain benchmark going into 2020. That's edged down a little bit. If I can yeah. get more than a, you you mentioned inflation at seven percent. If I can get more than an eight percent return, I'm really happy. that I'm buying that deal, and I'm buying as many of them as I can, because I know, like you said earlier, if I have cash in the bank it's losing value at a rate right now of 7% a year. So if I can use that money to put a down payment on a property, I get a mortgage for let's say four or four and a half percent. I get to pay that mortgage back with tomorrow's dollars that are they're worth 7% less next year and maybe 7% less than your year after. Hopefully that trends yep. downward sometime, but I'm still paying today's loan back with tomorrow's dollars that are worth less. That's right. That's awesome. It's an awesome investment. The real estate values are appreciating. The rents are going up. It's just a no brainer when you really think about it holistically. It's and everybody gets stuck on this little cash flow number. They say, oh, it's, but it's uh, it's not cash flowing so well right now. And I'm saying if it's cash flowing at all, I'm trying to buy it. If I can get a better return than the rate that I'm losing money in the bank and a better return than I'm getting on every other safe investment so stock bonds um any sort of a bank account the interest rates are nothing and you're losing money by owning them so if you're not and again if you're not beating seven percent interest the rate at which you're losing value right now you're not beating anything so you're saying oh well i've got a three and a half percent payment on this bank account, this, this money market account or whatever it is, a bond. Okay. Well, you're still losing three and a half percent. So you're still losing value and money. You, you say you're making three and a half percent. Actually, you're only losing three and a half percent. Where with real estate, if you can make 8% holistically, you know, with the property appreciation plus the cash flow, that's yeah. really easy to do. Really easy to do. You're going to smoke that if you're leveraged, right? Yeah. You have to be smartly leveraged. We're not here to say you should be underwater on a property. I still, even in Austin, and we'll talk about that too, it's very hard to just walk in, put a standard down payment and make make cash flow. So mm -hmm. we can talk about what investors are doing. But if you can get it to cash flow, let's say you used to like $400 a month in starting cash flow, and now you're willing to settle for one or $200 a month you know, of starting cash flow. Sure, are you losing cash flow per month? Yeah, it's still positive cash flow, but yeah, on your spreadsheet, it's not going to look as good. But there should be the other trade-offs. You've always got to look at, are you getting good debt? Are you going to get more appreciation because it's not cash flowing as month? Are you going to still get the tax breaks that you want? And where's inflation? And I think inflation really kind of took center stage closer to the end of last year. Uh, and I think that's a big reason you're seeing investors want to get properties as long as you can get them to cash flow is because man inflation's going to beat you if you can't get something that can that can stay pace with that. So if that property normally is giving you, you know, maybe your cash on cash return used to be 8, now it's only like 2 or 3. You know, your cash on cash may not be that great, but if you actually do the real return on that property, it can with leverage could still be a 30 or 40% return on that property. Um, because of the other factors mm -hmm. with the safety net that if the market goes south and the property loses value, well, you didn't forget about cash flow. It's still there. You know, you made sure the cash flow is there to protect you on the downside 
while you wait for the recovery. But in the upside, you know, it's there because now you've got inflation helping you. That's why housing prices are going up. Uh, you also had all the money pumped into the system uh, through mortgage-backed security buying with the Fed and everything else. Well, why do you think there's so much money chasing product? That's why every asset class from stocks to real estate to gold to Bitcoin to Everything that's an asset is going up in value because everybody wants to put that money into an asset. It doesn't when you lose have value. Yeah. When so, you have inflation. Yep. And another thing, too, we haven't talked about yet is rents. Rents have gone through the roof this year. Uh, yep. I saw a recent statistic. Uh, I want to say it was from apartments.com or one of those types of sources 25% rent growth in Austin over the yep. last year. That's insane. 25% rent growth. So that I think apartment complexes are more aggressive than residential landlords, but we're just saying, and in my admin, her rent was a thousand dollars last year. It was $1,200 this year. And she's on a, a, a apartment complex that it's way out in round rock, you know, about 45 minutes from our office. So it, rents are going up all over the Metro. It, it may be you're only making $100 right now, like you're saying, but if rents go up even 5% next year, that $100 turns into a 150. And then the year after, maybe it's 200. I know right. when, when I first started investing in real estate, and when I first started learning about investing in real estate, a lot of the older investors told me, hey, it's okay to not make money for a few years. As long as you're not losing money, it's okay to not make a ton of money for the first few years. But as rents go up, and as you get your property stabilized, then you know two, three, four years in, you're really doing well. And I've seen that same thing, even with the property I bought in 2020. Rents were okay. Now they're up 150 bucks a month on, on all the units. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't account for that. There's so many things you, you need to think about. Like you mentioned, tax benefits, rent raises, there's there's all sorts of stuff. Cash flow is just one of them. Appreciation right. is a huge part here in Austin. Cash flow is, of, of course, important. You got to pay for the property. You have to protect your asset. But if that's the only thing you're looking at, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity that a lot of other investors are also looking at. And we're not saying buy properties that lose money. If you're Correct. losing a little that's bit right. of money every month, and you can afford that, and you know that, and you've got a good job, and you say, hey, I can lose 100 bucks a month for a year or two years and be okay. I make $300,000 a year or $200,000 a year. That's okay, you know, because if the market keeps going up like it is, or even moderately, we mentioned the past 25 years been average of 7%. In a few years, you're not going to be losing any money, and the properties can be worth so much more. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about cash flow, people get caught up on cash flow. I want to make $100 a month. Okay, you made $1,200 a year. But if you bought a property that was worth $500,000 this year and it appreciated a rate of 10%, which I think we think is pretty likely here in Austin for 2022, then your property is worth $550,000. You made $50,000 right there. You made $1,200 on cash flow. Cash flow is not going to get you wealthy. You want to protect the property, but it's not Especially everything not the short term. 
right? Exactly. I mean, cash flow is never going to make you wealthy in the short term. Even if you buy a, a screaming deal and you make a thousand dollars a month, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you're Airbnb or something. Sure, you made twelve thousand dollars a year, and you probably aren't spending all that money. Hopefully, you're saving it in the account for reserves, and you might have some capex in a year or two. So, yeah, you're never cash flow in the short term, in my opinion, is 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 property preservation, right? Protection. Your goal is to make sure that the property on a good month when you're not getting the phone ringing is making money. It's going to start saving that money up, and then you're going to have surprises that you have to pay for. Maybe you went into it with reserves, but a lot of folks may not. And so you need that cash flow to become your reserves over the first few years. And then at some point you can set a bar and say, okay, over this, I can take money out every month. So here's one reason why it's become harder to just buy a straight up buy and hold rental with a standard down payment. Mm -hmm. So, but if you go back to 2019 and tried to buy a rent house, single family, three bed, two bath, if you put 25% down, I bet I could get you to break even and or maybe even get a little bit of cash flow, especially if you were in a suburb like a Leander, Pflugerville, Hutto, something like that. When we got to 2020, everything changed. Now, COVID at first slowed us down for a few months, but then everything took off like wildfire. So in 2020, Austin went up about 15%. Rents went up 0% in 2020, because that was the COVID shutdown. There were eviction moratoriums. The apartments were actually losing a little bit of money. Uh, and single families were fairly flat. Some people had rent increases, but generally it's because everybody was nervous. You didn't want your tenant to leave, or maybe you couldn't kick them out because of an eviction moratorium. And so rents were flat. So that created a yield difference of 15%. That was 2020. Then you come to last year and Austin went up 30%. So 15 plus 30 is 45% increase in home values. Rents did go up, as Jordan said, 20 to 25%, but that's below the 45% of home value appreciation. So even though rents are starting to play catch up, they're behind. And so that rent yield, uh, if you're familiar with the 1% rule, the math still works. The equation doesn't work in major metros, but the math of figuring out the rent to purchase price yield is always a good thing to look at. It's about half of 1% in the metro. If you yeah. get into the city, it gets worse. Mm -hmm. And if you get out to the farthest suburbs, you'll probably, you can maybe can beat that, but it's about half of 1%. A $400,000 house may yield a $2,000 a month lease. Mm -hmm. That's a half of 1% of the purchase price. So the reason it's compressing is because of what we just talked about. So much buyer demand, the prices of the homes have been eclipsing the rents Rents are starting to play catch up, but they're behind. Absolutely. And so let's let's talk about here real quick what we're seeing working for investors here in Austin right now. We both work with a lot of investors. Um, we're both also investors here in Austin. We know what works. We know what doesn't. You just mentioned what doesn't. So buying a rent house, a single family house in a nice suburb, I always get people calling me and say, I want to be in a good school district and I want to buy a nice rental. Good That's school district. Yeah. Very hard to good do. School right districts now. equals money. That's exactly. All it's expensive. Yeah. It, it's a lot of money. The rent isn't high enough to keep up with that. You might get a little bit of bump in rent rent because you're in a nice school district. You're not going to get two thousand dollars more a month in rent. Correct. So we 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 both know single family rentals are hard in the Austin area. 
it can be done. It, it's nice to do some value add work to them. If you're going to try to make them work, I, I see those work sometimes. Multifamily rentals are getting hard too, but again, those are easier. You can make them work if you do some value add work, some rehab, you know, you get the rents up, you rehab the place. Be because you've rehabbed the place, you can get the rents up a little bit and that can work. Um, people that are developing in Austin are, are really making money hand over fist. That's not a buy and hold renter or sorry, landlords policy, but you know, people that are doing developments are really doing well. People that are making flips work are really doing well because the market's going up so quickly. It might take them six months to do their flip. They bought yeah. a house for 300, thought it was going to be worth 450 when they were done. Now it's worth 500. Those people can do really well. The competition is just intense. Yeah, to do flips. The competition is intense for everything, but and, and inflation, right? So the challenge with the flippers exactly. is not not just finding the property, but now all your costs exactly. to do the flip have gone way up from lumber to contractors to the glue. Everything um, has, has gone way up. So, but yes, if you're already seasoned at it, you know you you can probably play that game really well. I'd say it's probably a little harder to get into the market if you've never flipped anything. And mm -hmm. you've now got to find contractors to work with you. Can it be done? Of course. Yeah. Uh, you just have to have a really clear strategy of what you're trying to do when you come in. Yeah, absolutely. So what's working really well is improving things, building new things, um, both across the board with improving things. So if you're improving rental property and making it way nicer, then, then it can work. Um, other things that we are seeing work here on my team are monthly rentals and short-term rentals. And everybody knows Airbnb is super hot right now. Uh, short-term rental, long-term wealth just came out by Bigger Pockets. It's a book about short-term rentals and short-term rentals are the talk of the town. Now, short-term rentals in Austin are interesting because they're essentially illegal. If you don't live in the property and if you don't have a license, they're always against regulation. Correct. So you can do them. It's just very particular how and where you can do them. There's also some talk in the investor community that I'm in of the ETJs kind of being a gray area mm -hmm. with rental, with short-term rentals. They're not technically part of the city's jurisdiction. You might have a septic tank. Uh, you might have a, a, a different water company serving you. Um, but then you also don't have the city's jurisdiction with short-term rental laws. So it's something to look at. I don't know a thousand percent that that is the case. I've been told that you could do that. I've talked to the city a little bit about it. I would love to see somebody test that theory out, try a monthly rental there, and then just try a short-term rental. But as long as the numbers work on a monthly rental, just go for the short-term rental. If the city says no go, just do the monthly rental. Yeah. Um, are you seeing anything different than what I just mentioned working for investors here? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing. And I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Yeah, I think it always, you know, I always think who is the investor? Where mm -hmm. are they? in their journey are they young and single are they married and already have other rentals you know their strategy is really going to dictate what they can do mm -hmm. so you and i would probably both agree if you're young and single you know whatever version of house hacking you can do do 100%. it 100 so it's single family and get some roommates 
Uh, I, I had a closing this morning. It's a young guy. This was his first purchase. It's a duplex in, in Southeast Austin, and he's going to live on one side and rent out the other. He's actually inheriting a tenant, but as soon as that tenant, you know, is done, he can, uh, you know, start to remodel the duplex. And we talked about midterm rentals, which is get mm -hmm. above the short-term rental 30 days, you know, find people that can rent it out shorter term, month by month. It's furnished. Uh, you'll get a much higher yield on that. And so that can help you get cash flow. So if you're young, you've got that option, which a lot of older investors won't do. I mean, I'm too old. I've got kids. I'm not, nobody's going to rent a room in my house. We'll so, find you a duplex. Don't worry, Ryan. We're going to yeah, get duplex. the whole family I, into even, a nice duplex. I think, I think I'm even past that stage, Jordan. But, uh, <laughs> uh, we own duplexes. We'll put tenants in them. But yep. yeah, so, you know, if that's, that's, if you're young, I would do that. Okay, so if you have the ability to actually live in the property, you have so many more options than somebody who purely wants to come into the market and buy an investment property. So as you get older, let's say you don't want to live in it and rent it out, uh, or, or a lot of people want to find an ADU, which would be amazing if we had a lot of ADUs, we don't. But if we did, a lot of people would love to live in the front and have a small unit in the back to rent out. Uh, the city right now is pretty restrictive on letting those get built, but they are reviewing ADU potential uh, changes. And so we'll see this year if the city of Austin starts to make it easier to develop ADUs, that would be really great. Yeah. And, and of course, we we all talked about code next for the past, I don't know, Forever. half a decade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forever. Um, and that was part of code next was we're going to upzone large portions of areas and let ADUs be built. But now yeah. the city of Austin has said, like you were just referring to, hey, we can't agree on anything. We can't get anything done. So let's just try to get this one little piece done. We know we need more housing. Let's yeah. let's start allowing more ADUs. Um, and they might be able to get a little right. bit of something done. Uh, who knows? Either, right? I mean, if you build a really exactly. good permitted ADU, thousand square feet, I mean, it could cost up to two hundred thousand yeah. dollars or more, depending on how the building expense. So, yeah, it's not, even the it's not cheap to build an ADU that's a really good, livable, functioning separate house. Even the prefab stuff I've been hearing cost of $150, $180 square foot. So while it's an amazing idea, uh, you bring up an amazing point, it's not cheap. So yeah. it, it does make a lot of sense to put an ADU in. But when your 1,000 square foot, two bedroom, one bath costs you $220,000 to get onto your lot, that puts another big barrier of entry for a lot of people. Yeah. Not a lot of people have the cash. Getting the financing is interesting with ADUs. So that might happen, um, and I really I say might yeah. with a... I think the short-term challenge there, too, is let's say you build an ADU. You're like the first person in your neighborhood. You build that ADU, and then you go to sell that property. There's no comps for you. Mm -hmm. And so you may want to make two or $300,000 more than any other house in your neighborhood, but if there's no comps to support that, I'm not 100% sure the buyers will pay you $100 for dollar. For that back i think eventually obviously you would get that money oh, yeah i don't know if it's proven yet that if you add the adu and then immediately sell it your house can sell for two or three hundred thousand dollars more than every other house in your neighborhood it would definitely get a premium uh, for sure, sure. but uh, that's kind of unknown so i would say if you can long-term hold mm -hmm. great play and if it's your primary residence and you can add an adu great play because now you can make that extra cash flow. There's a few people that will also do a rent by the room strategy. It's similar to house hacking, but it is designed where once you move out, you've kind of created a dorm out of a house. 
And mm -hmm. so you might have three, four, five separate strangers living in a house. So you, you know, it's a little harder to property manage that if you had to offload it to someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are people in town doing rent by the room as a strategy. Oh, yeah. And there's pad split. Have you heard of pad yeah. split? Pad, pad split. split. Uh, pad splits one, and then um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Bungalow. That's bungalow. another. Bungalow. Yeah, bungalow reached out to every one of us realtors. It was even yeah. sort of kind of involved in yeah. house hacking or helping investors, and and took us out to coffee and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you've got a couple companies out there that might be able to manage that for you if you decide not to self manage. Harder to do if you're not in town, right? So if sure. you're in town, that probably opens up more self managing opportunities. Mm -hmm. As you get older. My, my, and not necessarily older, but maybe also more seasoned investors. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them do, you know, maybe they're just really, uh, you know, upper middle class or good, strong middle class. They just want a rent house. They don't want to do anything crazy, put more money down. I mean, you know, I call it the reverse burr, although it's not even that fancy, but let's say you had to put 50% down. If you can afford that, uh, you can get the house, maybe get it to cash flow a little bit, and then your goal is instead of re having to re uh, you know remodel it to raise its value and then you know burr it out, you're going to do it kind of in reverse. Maybe the house is already in good shape. You had to put the money up front, and then over the next two or three years, you're going to slowly refinance your money back out as that house goes up. So I've got some clients that are doing things like that. If you want a straight buy and hold rental or you've got to chase yield. You've got to go farther and farther and farther out to find low enough priced properties to get it to work. And you might go out of the market. Uh, so my wife and I bought two properties in the fall in Temple, Texas, which is about an hour north of Austin. It's not in the Austin metro area. They don't watch Austin news. They generally don't commute to Austin. They've got their own economy up there. But home values are, you know, 50 to 60% the price of something you'd find in the Austin. Oh, yeah. So it, they could cash flow pretty easy. If you, I think that, I think what I think will be a really strong uh, niche moving forward are midterm rentals. That's what I call them. So yeah, love it. you were hinting at this. So if you can do an Airbnb style property where it's furnished and it's stocked and you can market it, 30 days or longer, you don't have to mess with the Airbnb regulations and you're not going after the weekend partier that just wants to come, you know, hang out in Austin for the weekend. You're going after more likely traveling professionals, people who might be building a house or looking to buy a house, moving to Austin, traveling nurses. People have talked about so that. So many, so many people. Yeah, and by the way, that's a really hard niche to find Let's you and I have both had clients where they're like, oh, I kind of need a place to yeah. land after I sell my house for two months. Man, that's going to be a sweet spot. You don't make exactly the nightly rates that a that a you know an Airbnb would, but you'll get pretty close. Oh 89%. yeah, percent. We just did a so we have a monthly rental in East Austin. Again, it's more than thirty days. We just got our first booking for three months for ninety seven hundred dollars. Uh, wow. Of course there's fees involved. So we'll see probably somewhere closer to nine. I, I couldn't tell you the exact amount, yeah. but three months and we make roughly $3,000 a month. That's all, that's Amazing. more than the whole mortgage for the property off one unit. Yeah. 
Uh, I know a lot of people that are four to $5,000 a month for three bedroom, two bath houses. And like you said, there's so many people that are willing to pay that premium because it's just for a short amount of time, just for a few That's months. Right. That's right. I'm selling my house. I need somewhere to go that I can just leave. And this is perfect. It's $4,000 a month. It's roughly $1,500 more than I was paying or $2,000 more than I was paying, but that's okay. I and it's all inclusive. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, everything. if I, if I rent out a normal property, it's vacant. I haven't given you a towel, you know, I mean, there's exactly. nothing in there. If you move to town, if you and I said tomorrow, I need to move to Nashville, but I don't know anything about Nashville. I need to figure Nashville out. This is what I would be looking for. I want a house I could live in for two to three months, drive around, figure out the market. And so I think this niche, um, and especially because Austin has Austin. tight Airbnb exactly. rules, mm -hmm. this is a really great strategy in Austin and might solve your cash flow problem. So if you can't cash flow on standard down payment, you know, maybe you can still make the standard down payment, use this strategy to kind of you know, do it. And there are property management companies, if you need one, mm -hmm. that do Airbnbs. Well, you just use those same style property managers to do this. Sure. And I've got a great one too. If anybody needs one, reach out. I have a great one. He manages for a little cheaper for monthly rate than he does for Airbnb. So it's affordable. But yeah, you mentioned because Austin, we have such tight Airbnb rules. At the same time, we have so many people moving to Austin. It's yeah. just amazing. You know, people and we were talking about earlier how great our winters are. So I have an old house in East Austin. It, it's now a monthly rental. It has been for about six months. I know two different people, an agent on our team here. His family is staying there for three months starting tomorrow. And another friend from Minnesota sent me a picture of the back of my house. I said, why are you sending me a picture of the back of my old house? Oh, I'm staying here for six months. This was, of course, six months ago. Right, um, yeah. The winter, they said, I don't want to be in the winter up there. I'm getting out. People come here for that. It's a lot of fun. People also come here for every other reason, for work, for relocating, for jobs, family. Monthly rentals are huge. So that's a great place to be right now. It's legal. It's the same thing as a month-to-month -month rent. You mentioned they're all on Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, everything else. Yep. But people have trouble differentiating that. It's not a short-term rental. People it's not. refer That's to right. short-term rentals, Airbnb. It's not the same thing. Airbnb could be for a six month lease. Um, this is monthly rental, totally legal in Austin and a great place to be right now. <clears throat> yeah, I think that strategy right now is probably my favorite. We're, we're buying a property right now uh, in my neighborhood and you know we're, we're doing seller financing on it. And so we oh, didn't have cool. to put a yeah, we don't have to put a lot of money down, but of course the seller note's big, right? Because mm -hmm. now they're funding most of the property. So we just have it as a balloon note where we'll pay him back within a couple of years and we'll pay him some interest every month. So our goal is between now and then is to put a strategy in place to be able to keep the property, make sure it cash flows. And I think it's a perfect strategy to, to do this. And then one day rents will catch, standard rents will catch up, you know, and you can flip it back to a long-term rental if you want or sell it, uh, you know, you have some options, but this is a great way to get your cash flow up. And I think you make a great point too. I look at it as kind of a stopgap, and that's what I'm doing Stop for gap. my own properties. Hey, this is gonna make it work for right now while rents are still rising rapidly, but here in two or three or five years, rents have caught up a little bit. I'm just gonna turn them over to long-term rental. It's a yeah. little bit less work and I'm still getting good rents. So 
it's Love a good it. strategy if you're in a market like ours too, right? Where yeah. you've got so many people moving to town and, and there's no housing and rents are expensive. And so they need a place to land to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And Austin, by the way, has been that way pre-pandemic 20 years. I mean, yeah. Austin's always been a high influx market. And so if you're in one of those markets, that's a great strategy to take advantage of. If you have a really slow market, maybe there aren't as many people renting month to month, but in Austin, you get so many travelers, so many people move into town. I call them the COVID visitors who are, are like checking Austin out. They don't know if they're going to move here yet, but they want to test it out. That's a great way to do it. Love it. All right. So just to recap, guys, uh, very broad recap. 2021 was nuts. Um, it got crazy, crazy, crazy towards the spring. It stayed hot through the summer. It looked like it was going to slow down a little bit in the fall. Then it took a 180 on us and started decreasing again. Um, we've seen it get really hot again here after the holidays were over. We're expecting that to continue, especially as interest rates go up and people scramble to get in in the near term. But still amazing time to invest in real estate in Austin, Texas. We're growing so quickly. You're going to make good money on property here, provided you buy right where you can at least keep the property and you're creative with the way that you're renting the property. So creative ways that we're finding it, you know, go a little bit further out if you're looking for just a regular rent house. But if you're trying to buy property in and around Austin, find creative ways to rent it like monthly rentals or short, short-term rentals in some of these special jurisdictions. And you can really do well. Um, if you need more info about this stuff, always reach out to Ryan and I, we would love to talk. Ryan, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, website, ryankellygroup.com. And you can Google that as well. It'll pull up everything. And then uh, my email, ryankelly at kw.com, K-E-L-L-Y. Awesome. And yeah, we're the moreheadteam.com. I'm at Jordan underscore Moorhead on Instagram and jordan.moorhead at KW. Probably going to spell it wrong. It's M-O-O-R-H-E-A-D at KW, but if you just Google the Moorhead team, you'll pull up everything. But guys, Ryan and I are here to help. We're always on bigger pockets, helping people out there. Give us a call, shoot us an email, reach out to us on whatever social media platform you like. And we're here to answer any questions. Thanks, Jordan. Great seeing you, Ryan. Really excited to hear that you got this seller financing deal pulled off in your neighborhood. I know you've been working on that for a long time. Yep, got to get it to the closing table, right? So there you go. that's our next step. That's what you're good at. I know you'll get it done. <laughs> All right, take it easy. Thanks, Jordan. Bye.